We are starting a brand new series today called Red Letter Living. Um, and through this series, one thing I was thinking about today um, is a bunch of life hacks. You guys know what life hacks are? You guys know what that is? Um, it's just things that you learn that you didn't know that it's actually the way it's supposed to be. And there's a couple life hacks that I have for you I wanted to show you. The first one is this. Uh, here's a life hack that some of you might, might not know. When it comes to Tic Tacs, you know what that little spot's for, right? That's to put your Tic Tac out. Do you guys know that? How many of you guys had no clue that Tic Tacs were supposed to go in that little spot? Yep, some people's lives are being changed right now, right? Some of you guys' lives are being changed. Uh, here's another one, another quick one. Um, that's what the, for a soda cane, you know, that's what it's for, right? So you can put your straw in there. Did any of you guys never know, know that, like had no clue? Yeah, it's true. That's what, there's no other reason for that. That's why you turn around, put the straw there. I have a couple more, but I don't have pictures for it. Here's one that changed my life. Um, with a can opener. Do you guys know that almost all of you open a can wrong? I do it right, okay? Here's, here's how you do it. Most people do it on the side and they just do that and they have to try to get the can off. So most of you guys do, right? Instead, if you flip it sideways and then you open it, when you're done, the top of the lid will be stuck to the can opener. Nope, it's, I'm telling you, it works perfectly. It's the way it was designed. Look it up if you're not sure. And then I have one more to show you. I learned this this week and I showed Erica um, this earlier this week. Um, it's a new way to, new way to uh, fold clothes. Let me show you. Okay, I'm gonna have to do it on this floor, so this shirt's probably gonna get a little dirty, but I can fold this shirt in like three seconds. You ready? So some of you, some of you, I'm telling you, this is gonna be worth your mission right here. Oh, I gotta turn around like this. Hope you guys can see. Ready? One, two, three. There it is. Now, I didn't do it very good, okay, so don't judge me. Let me try again. Okay, so you put punch here, here, mm-hmm. Flip it all around. There you go. See how quick that was? Two seconds. You guys didn't, most of you guys didn't see that? All right, we'll show, I'll show you afterwards if you really want to know. Uh, I looked up on YouTube and the guy was like, boom, boom, boom. So uh, it's a little life hack for you when it comes to folding clothes. But I love some good life hacks. I love learning things that I didn't know. Like most of us open a banana the wrong way. You know, you're supposed to open it from the bottom, not the top. Do you guys know that? That's how monkeys do it, and monkeys know how to eat bananas. So you're supposed to do it in the bottom. There's like things I love learning about, about life. But Throughout this series, we're going to be talking about different ways that, that you can live when it comes to what Jesus says. So uh, I truly believe that if you're here and you are not a follower of Jesus, I believe there's two reasons why you should be a follower of Jesus. One, I believe because he saves us from ourselves. But let's say you don't get by that part. Even if you don't buy that part, I truly believe that Jesus, following his example, is the best way for you to live. Even if you don't believe in him, if you follow his example, he is the best way to live life. I truly, truly believe that. What he preached and what he taught when he was here it, it radically changed our world. So I truly believe that. So what we're going to be doing throughout this series is looking at ways that we can live in a different way, ways that we can figure out how we, how we should be living based on what Jesus says. So we're not going to just look at all these examples of what, of what other people said about Jesus. We're going to be looking at what Jesus said about himself. So we're going to be looking at um, some of our I am statements. Jesus had seven I am statements. We're going to be looking at four of them throughout this series. And we're going to learn through what Jesus said about himself what we should do. That's what we're going to be doing. So today we're going to be reading from John chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 10 or your Bible apps. Um, in our Respect Life series, we actually talked about this passage. We're going to kind of dig even deeper in this passage. John chapter 10, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps. We're going to start in verse 1. This is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. 
The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now, almost every time I've heard this uh, passage being taught, um, people have talked about that thief and robber and basically saying, because we have a spiritual enemy, there is Satan out there, and we have a spiritual enemy, and that's who Jesus is talking about here. Now, I'm not saying we don't have a spiritual enemy. We do. However, Jesus is not talking about Satan here. That's not who he's referring to. In fact, who he's referring to are the Pharisees here. Jesus, and then Jesus goes on to describe what a thief looks like in verse 10. It says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what a thief comes to do, to steal, kill, and destroy. So if Satan's not the thief that Jesus is talking about, who is that thief? The thief is the church people. That's who he's talking to. So we need to be careful because he could be talking about us here. Who he's referring to here as the thief and the robber are the people back then that were using their power to abuse the system. We're using their power. Um, back in, in the Old Testament, uh, there's every example of a shepherd always referred to a king. It was always a metaphor for a king. And anytime they used the word thief or robber or bandit in the Old Testament, it was a metaphor for the leaders of Israel. So in fact, in Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, God condemned the failed leaders of Israel who have stolen from the sheep, is what he says, uh, like a thief, killed them and caused them to become scattered. So here he's talking about church people. He's talking about people that um, go to church and consider themselves a leader in church but are abusing their power. And then here's our I am statement in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Can everyone read that with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That, that we have a good shepherd. Jesus says, I am that good shepherd. And I do whatever it takes for the sheep. We are the sheep. Jesus is talking about us there. He said, I will do whatever it takes to rescue the sheep. You. I will do whatever it takes. Sheep are actually um, the most mentioned animal in the Bible. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, they were mentioned uh, around 100, I think it's 189 times that they were mentioned. And almost every time they are mentioned, they are referring to us to, as, as God's people. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I will do whatever it takes for you, the sheep. So what I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to talk about who we are as the sheep, four characteristics of the sheep. And then who the good shepherd is. Because we first need to know who we are as the sheep. And then from there, what do we need to learn about the good shepherd in comparison to us? So four characteristics of sheep, which is us, you and me. Number one, sheep lose their way constantly. Sheep constantly lose their way. Um, I don't know how you guys are, but are, do you guys remember when you have, used to have to print out MapQuest directions to go anyplace? Some of you guys remember that? See, that was the life I lived, right? Um, some of you guys don't know that. My kids, it's weird to think this, my kids will never know a life of printing out MapQuest directions. Just like I never knew a life of having to pull out a map, like some of you guys did, right? Some of you older people here. So I never knew that life. I, how, I don't know how to work a map. So I had to print out MapQuest directions, and now I use GPS like, like most of us do. I use Waze. Who here uses Waze? Most of you, okay. Waze is the best. I love Waze. Um, it tells you if there's a police car coming. Uh, sometimes it'll take you like sketchy roads to get you like a half second faster, which is a little weird, but um, I love Waze. But now the problem with GPS for me is I've used it so much, and any place I go, I put it, I put it on, that I barely know how to get anywhere. 
Like if I go um, for a small group, we've been doing the same small group for two semesters, and if I don't put my GPS out, I still don't know how to get there. And I go there every week. Like I don't know what it is. And so that's what's starting to happen is because of that, because we're all so reliant on GPS, especially me, I can't imagine what my kids are going to do. They're not going to know any roads ever. So a lot of times we get lost. And sheep, they were constantly getting lost. They constantly were not finding their ways. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. So what sheep would do is they would just kind of, they would be with the crowd and they would with, with their flock. And then if something happened to the side, they would just all of a sudden start to wander off because they would be, see something and be like, oh, I'm going to go this way. Some shiny, they, boom, they're gone. They're not with the rest of their flock. They would constantly do that. And we do that too. I don't know about you, but I know I do. For some of us, we want to be financially stable, right? But then new iPhone comes out. We're like, oh, this is nice and pretty. And we'll go, or, or uh, we, I, I would like a new car. And all of a sudden, we can't be financially stable because we wander off from where we're supposed to go to the path that we're supposed to be. Maybe for some of us, we want to find a good spouse, right? Some of you are single and you're, and you're looking for that good spouse. And you, you're trying, you have your direction, you know what you want to do, but then this person comes and they might have, not have the same morals as you do, but they sure are pretty. So maybe we'll go that direction. All of a sudden, you're off your path that you're supposed to go. You get lost. Some of you, you want to be a good parent, and you want, man, I I just want my parents to, uh, as a a parent, I want to be a great parent. I want my kids to love me. But then you feel more appreciated at work. So you start to wander off into that work because you feel more appreciated there. It's a lot more stressful at home with the kids. Or maybe you want to have really strong morals, and you have a way that you want to go. You have a way you want to live. But then those friends call you, and you're like, yeah, but I have nothing else to do. I'm sure it'll be fine. And we wander off. Sheep, sheep get lost constantly. Number two, number two, sheep cannot defend themselves. There's, this is one of the animals that cannot defend themselves. They have no way to do it. Most animals have something. They have uh, fangs. They have claws. They, um, what else? They have horns. They can kick. Um, some, sheep, some, some animals can fly off. They can fly away if they're in danger. They, there's camouflage, right, that you can hide yourself. Sheep, nothing they can do. If a bear wants to eat them, they're done. The lion wants them, they're done. They have no way to defend themselves. Sheep don't. So without a shepherd, a sheep cannot defend themselves. That's what constantly happens. And we are the same way. We are the same way. There are a lot of lies that we are vulnerable to. There are a lot of lies. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God and how we need to protect ourselves with the armor of God. If you've never read Ephesians chapter 6, I highly recommend you do that. Um, Because there are lies that we believe. There's lies of the enemy, because we do have a spiritual enemy. But there's more lies than that. There's also lies of our culture that we are vulnerable to. There's lies of ourselves that we tell ourselves that we are vulnerable to. I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of things and gone a direction that I left myself defenseless because of my decisions. And I got to a point where I was destructive. I was in a destructive spot because of my own decisions. We all do that, and we are defenseless to that. We might make one decision and go one path, all of a sudden there's nothing we can do. We have to deal with the results. Number two, sheep cannot defend themselves. Number three, sheep are stubborn. They are so stubborn. Here's, let me tell you how stubborn a sheep is. If a sheep goes to two boulders and is trying to go through those boulders and it gets stuck, most animals will go back out and go around that boulder. Not a sheep. Sheep will go, I'm getting through this boulder either way. And he will keep pushing further and further and further until he gets to a point where he cannot get back out because he's so stubborn. That's what sheep are. And I have kids. My kids are stubborn. They are. Um, my, uh, the first time we ever gave Brooklyn, my oldest daughter, a timeout, 
her stubbornness really came out. And most of you, if you know Brooklyn, you think she's the sweet angel, and sometimes she is, but there's other times where she is not that sweet angel. And the first time, I don't even remember, Erica, do you remember why we were punishing her? I don't, I don't even remember. Something small, it didn't matter, we, but she needed to do timeout because she needed timeout, she did something wrong. And she went to timeout and she started throwing a fit, she was screaming, yelling, she was, she was going nuts. And then we went in there and said, hey, you need to say sorry. Until you say sorry, you are not going to leave this room. She threw another fit. That girl stayed in her room for 45 minutes. All she had to do was say, sorry. And we're going to get to the point where it's like, just say it. Even if you don't mean it, just say it so we can get you out of there. She was in her room screaming, crying. And she was like one and a half at this point, just going nuts. And she knew what the word sorry meant. Don't it? Some of you are like, maybe she didn't know. She knew. She just didn't want to say it. So she's screaming and crying in there. And it was like, and we had a monitor. We still have a monitor. That monitor's going to stay in her room until she's 18. Um, we're going to always keep an eye on her. That monitor's never coming out. Um, and we're just watching her. It's like, Man, she's just throwing a fit. She, she tired herself out so much, she fell asleep in there on the floor. And we woke her up and said, are you going to say sorry? Because it's not nap time. So kids are stubborn, right? If you have kids, you know that. They are stubborn. And so are we. We are stubborn. We are stubborn people. We want something out of life, but a lot of times we don't want to change our path in order to get that. Let me give you some examples. Man, I really want a great spouse. And why, why hasn't God blessed me with that perfect spouse? But then you won't do anything to change your own self so that you will become a better person. So when you finally do meet that person that you can marry, they'll actually want to marry you. You're just too busy looking for the perfect person instead of you becoming a better version of yourself that God wants to use. And so that you can find, when you find that person, they'll actually want to be with you because we're stubborn. I just want the person. I don't want to change anything. Um, You're broke. You don't have any money. But man, that trip's coming up. I love going out to eat. That new phone, I, I'm not walking around with an iPhone 7. Are you crazy? There's iPhone 8 and 10. I'm not doing that. No, because we're stubborn. I don't have any money, but I'm going to find a way to do it. Um, self-control. For some of us, we struggle with self-control late at night. So there's things we can do to set guardrails when everyone goes to bed and we're by ourselves and then we are so tempted. I'm speaking to everyone, but specifically guys here. And we are tempted to do something that we know we don't want to do and we lack the self-control to stop and we say, oh, well, it is what it is. What am I going to do? Instead of going to bed earlier or instead of putting your phone up somewhere else, no, I'll just have to find a way to work it out. We're stubborn. I want to read my Bible, I really do, but I just can't find the time. You can get up half hour earlier. Most of us can, right? Some of you get up really early, I know, but I could. I don't have time to read the Bible. Uh, I'll stay up till midnight, though. We're stubborn. We want something without actually giving in, and that's what sheep are. Sheep are stubborn. And then number four, the last characteristic of a sheep, sheep are dirty. They are. We think of sheep as this nice, white, fluffy, cute animal. That's not how it is. They are dirty, gross animals. You know why? They have no way to clean themselves. They don't know how. So if someone doesn't clean them, then they will just sit there in their own mess, in their own dirt. They will just be disgusting because no one will clean them. If a shepherd does not clean a sheep, then they will stay dirty forever. Sheep are dirty. And so are we. We have no way to clean ourselves either. We don't. See, when we do something wrong, and we, we would call that sin, when we do something wrong, we do something that even, don't even look at the Bible, it's something that you don't want to do and you still do it anyways. When God looks at us, he sees that sin. And there's nothing we can do to make ourselves clean in God's eyes. It doesn't matter how much you go to church. It doesn't matter how much of your Bible you read. It doesn't matter how much you serve. None of that will make you clean in God's eyes. We have no possible way to clean ourselves. The only way 
the only way God can look at us as clean is through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. That when he gave his life on the cross on Easter Sunday that we're about to celebrate, when he gave his life on the cross and we accept that grace, he doesn't see our sin. Instead, he sees Jesus' righteousness. We cannot clean ourselves. We try. We feel better about ourselves when we feel like we are and we're doing something for it, but we can't. We can't. The only way we can be clean in God's eyes is through Jesus' sacrifice. So if that's who we are as a sheep, what is the shepherd? Because John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's who we are as the sheep. So if that's the characteristics of us, what's the characteristics of him, the good shepherd? So really quickly, the four characteristics of the good shepherd. Number one, the good shepherd guides. The good shepherd guides. The good shepherd guides. See, the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice because the sheep know the shepherd. The sheep can follow the shepherd because they recognize his voice and they follow him because of it. They know his voice. John 10, verse 3-4 says, The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know the shepherd's voice? If you took me to a room with 50 people in there, guys, girls, kids, and all of them are talking to each other, and you blindfolded me, and my wife was in that room, I would eventually find her. I wouldn't have to see. I'd be able to find her. You know why? I know her voice. I'm around her all the time. I recognize her voice, right? But some of you guys, if you're in a room with 50 other people, you wouldn't be able to find her because you don't know her voice. So some of us, we don't recognize the, the, the voice of the shepherd, and we're not able to be guided by the shepherd, either one, because we don't know him, or two, because we never spend time with him. That's some of us. God, I just want God to guide me. I never hear his voice, but we never spend any time with him, so you can't even recognize his voice. That's some of us. See, I love this verse in uh, three, uh, verse 3 through 4 because it says that the shepherd calls you by name. That the God of the universe calls you by name and he is speaking to you by name. Can you hear him? Do you recognize him? Some of you would say, how do I know if that's him? And I understand that. There's many ways God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us here on a Sunday morning. He speaks to us through friends. Um, he could speak to us directly through our conscience. He can speak to us audibly. He can speak to us in many different ways. But sometimes we go, well, how is he actually speaking to us? How do we know that he is there? Because we want to be guided by him. We want him to take us to a certain place. How do we know if it's him? And when we were planting Impact Church a year prior, I was wrestling with this. Like, how do I know if God's calling me to plant a church or if God's calling me to stay at the church I was at? Because I was working at a church, and I loved that church. I didn't want to leave that church, um, but I didn't know. And I met with a mentor of mine. His name is Ken. Um, and I met with him and said, Ken, how do I know that this is what God wants me to do compared to just what I want to do? Because a lot of us wrestle with that, right? How do I know if it's me or if it's something God wants to do? And he said, well, you look at what's been a passion in your life. Like, what, what are the things that you just keep feeling, you keep sensing is what you're supposed to do, and you feel comfortable with this decision, you look at that. You look at what other people around you are saying. Are they affirming it in you? The people that know you best, do they say, yeah, I think you can do that, or they say, ah, I think it's a bad idea. Who's affirming it in you? You look at what the Bible says. Are you sticking with what Scripture says in the lens of him? And you look at where God opens doors. Is God opening the door in this situation? And if all those things are happening, you know as much as you can know that God is calling you. 
God is guiding you. He wants to guide you in a direction. When we get to a point where we rely on the good shepherd to guide us, it's not on us anymore. He needs to guide us into a direction. The good shepherd guides. Number two, the good shepherd provides. The good shepherd provides. Now, whenever we say this kind of stuff that God provides, we normally think, okay, yeah, God provides because he's given me the ability to work and um, some of the stuff that I have is from that. And we, I get that. And that is all true. I truly believe that everything that we have here at Impact, everything I have in my life is somehow directly or indirectly because God provides for me. I did not earn the, the ability to go and work. I did not earn a lot of things in my life. Uh, yeah, I had to work hard for it, but God gave me some of the opportunities that I have to do it. But when we just say, yeah, God provides us in everything you have, somehow God provided that for you. That's a very um, easy and simple way to, to take some big statement that God provides and dumb it down for us. Because God provides a lot more than just our stuff. Um, people are starting to learn this. Their sociologists are learning this now. But when you go through life just searching for happiness, whatever makes you happy, it leaves you wanting more always. Because if we go with what the world and our culture tells us that we need in life. We need stuff. We need money. We need the newest gadgets. We need to find that love of our life. And when we finally get all that stuff, we'll, we'll be happy. And a lot of us, that's what we do. We just search and search and search to fill all of that stuff. Like, I just, when I get this job, I'll finally be happy. When I finally start making this much money, I will finally be complete. When I finally meet that person I'm going to marry for the rest of my life, I will finally be whole. When I finally have those kids, I will finally be there where I will be happy. And then what we all find out is we get that job, we get that position, we get that income, we get that spouse, and we get that, those kids. And you get to the point, he's like, man, I'm still lacking something. Man, it's still, I still want something else. And I have the job I've always wanted, but yet I still don't feel complete. I have the wife that, or husband that I've always wanted, I still don't feel complete. You'll see celebrities. How many celebrities that we've seen take their own life when they had everything and they're still found and they were still depressed? How many? So many, right? Because here's why. Those things are not going to make you happy. Here's what everyone is saying. This isn't even a Christian statement. Here's what every sociologist is saying. Here's what everyone's saying. That the thing that's going to make you happy is purpose. When you find your purpose and you fulfill your purpose, when you finally have that, that is what will make you whole and complete. What we would say is you can only find your purpose in the one who created you with a purpose. That's what we would say. What does God provide? God provides purpose for you. God provides for us. The good shepherd provides. Number three, the good shepherd corrects. The good shepherd corrects. If you have kids, you have to correct them. You know that. Uh, my kids, they'll, they'll go play outside in the back, and our rule is, hey, you can go play outside in the back, and that's fine because I'm normally in the kitchen doing something, and I can kind of see them. But you cannot go out front. You're not allowed to go out front without anybody else there because out front, there's cars and all that kind of stuff. And a year ago, I went outside to go get them. Hey, time to come inside. And they weren't out back. I went, where are they? And then as a parent, you'll be like, oh, where, where, where'd they go? Um, and I go and I look over at the, at the gate and they saw me and they come running back. Like, oh, there was, just a, there was just something out there and I had to go check that. And so I had to correct them, right? Why did I have to correct them? Because what could happen if they're out front not paying attention? A four-year-old and a three-year-old, they get hit by a car, they could be taken. There's a lot of things that could happen. I have to correct them. If I didn't correct them, I wouldn't be loving them. Like, hey, go do whatever you want. Then you guys ever seen the movie Big Daddy? You know that what happens, right? You need to correct your kids. And if you don't correct your kids, you're not actually loving them, right? 
You're not actually loving them. And this doesn't seem like good news that the good shepherd corrects us. It doesn't seem like good news, does it? Because we don't like to be corrected, but it truly is. Because the good shepherd loves you so much that he will correct you when you begin to wander into danger. Job 5, 17-18 says this, Blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds. He injures, but his hands also heal. Um, the good shepherd and the shepherds back then, and I've told you guys this in our last series, but it's, it just, it's amazing to me that this happens. But if a, sheep, if a sheep were to keep wandering off from the shepherd, what the good shepherd will do is they will take this rod and break its legs and then carry that sheep around forever, for a while until the legs are healed. And then once the legs are healed, then that sheep will never wander off again. It will be like a pet to them. And you might say, that, sounds, that doesn't sound good. I, that doesn't sound like a good shepherd. But think about it. If he doesn't do anything about that, that sheep, eventually he's going to get lost. And what's going to happen to that sheep? It'll get eaten. It'll fall off a cliff. It'll get stuck in a rock. It'll be doing a lot of things. It's stupid. It won't, doesn't know what to do. So the shepherd needs to make sure it sticks with him. And if he needs to break the sheep's legs in order to make sure it stays with him for its own sake, it, the shepherd will do that. The good shepherd corrects. There may be times that our God will allow us to face the consequences of our own decisions, of our own dumb decisions, of our own stupid decisions, so that we do not make more stupid decisions that will cost us even more over time. We don't like this, but it's loving. Hebrews 12 verse 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know what happens to kids that lack discipline? You know what happens to them? There's a lot of bad things that happen to kids that lack discipline. Here's a couple things. They have no self-control because they've never been taught it. So they have no self-control in life because they were never disciplined. They don't respect anybody because why do they need to respect anybody? They got whatever they wanted all the time. They constantly show inappropriate behavior. They don't know how to be appropriate in certain situations. They just do whatever they want in any kind of situation, right? They're selfish. They only do what, is, what they care about, which means they produce no social skills because you need to have certain social skills, right? In life, that's really important. And if you're very selfish, you don't care about anybody else and you show bad behavior, you're not going to have any social skills. And then all of this is going to produce unhappiness in your kid. If you don't discipline your kid, eventually they're going to be unhappy because they think the world revolves around them. And when nobody wants to be around them, they're going to be very unhappy about that, won't they? The good shepherd corrects. And the last one, number four, the good shepherd protects. The good shepherd protects us. Um, I have this thing with my kids, and sometimes it comes across as rude, but they're my kids, so I don't really care. But if there's times where I'm in public with my kids, a stranger who is a little creepy comes up to hang on my kids, I will be rude to that stranger because I just get a weird vibe. And I'll do whatever it takes to protect my kids. I don't care about that stranger's feelings if it's possibly endangering my kids. So sometimes a stranger will come up, and sometimes they're nice, and I'm okay with it. But sometimes they're, like, too nice, and they're too creepy about it. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I'll push them off. I don't care. I don't care if it's rude. It probably is rude. But they're my kids. I'll do whatever it takes to protect them. I will hurt someone else's feelings if it means protecting my kids. The good shepherd protects us. The good shepherd protects. Psalms 23, verse 4 through 6 is this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house 
the Lord forever. There's a couple things they say there. The rod and the staff, they comfort me. You know what the rod and the staff of a shepherd was used for? They were used to fight off animals. They used to fight off animals, and if a sheep fell to a spot where they couldn't get them, they would take the hook of the, of the rod and the staff and pull them back up. That's what the rod and the staff does. The oil, you know what that's for? They would put oil on a sheep's head because here's what would happen sometimes. It's going to be a little gross. Sometimes a fly would go into the, into the sheep's nose and it would produce its eggs or however flies reproduce. I don't know how that works. And larva. And when those baby flies would start to hatch, sometimes it would go up it, this way instead of out this way. So eventually all these flies would be inside the, the sheep's brain and it would die because it would corrupt their brain. So what would the sh- shepherd do? They would put oil on the sheep's head that was like fly repellent. What do we do? And then it says, my cup overflows. Um, back then in, in Jewish tradition, um, if you were at a house and you were welcome to stay a little longer, they would keep flowing, filling up your cup. Every time it got low in wine, they would fill it up more and they'd be like, okay, he's, I'm allowed to stay here. Um, but if it got to the point where he did not fill your cup, that means, hey, you've, you've overstayed your welcome, time for you to go. And here it says, my cup overflows, as in you are always welcome. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done in your life, you are always welcome in my presence. The good shepherd protects. God wants to protect you. He wants to protect you. And when you follow his voice, and when you follow what he commands, and when we live a certain lifestyle that's, that's an example that Jesus gave us, he protects us. doesn't mean nothing wrong is going to happen in life. Things will happen in life. The Bible promises that. But there's a lot of things we can avoid and God can protect us from if we follow the shepherd's voice. So, in summary, what does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd guides, the good shepherd provides, the good shepherd corrects, and the good shepherd protects. So I want to end um, with another story that Jesus told. This story was found in, um, you can find it in, in Luke, Luke chapter 15. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he says to them, he's just trying to explain to them how much God loves us and it's a love and it's a grace that is unrealistic, that doesn't even make sense. And one of the stories he tells is about a shepherd. He says, doesn't a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, if one of them goes missing, a good shepherd will leave the 99 to find the one. Will leave the 99 sheep that are safe with him. He will leave them and do whatever it takes to find the one. When I hear that, I go, that doesn't make sense. What happens if a bear comes and all the 99 are there? You would leave, you got 99% of them. That seems good to me, but not to God. Jesus says, no, my grace is for everyone. And no matter how far you run, I will come find you. Even if 99 are here, if only one is missing, I will come for you. And if there's only one person that sinned in this entire life, and it was me, Jesus would have came and died on the cross just for me. That's the kind of love that he has for you and for me. That's the kind of love that the good shepherd has for the sheep. It's a grace that doesn't even make sense, but it's a grace that constantly comes for us. Some of us are the one right now. Some of you in this room are that one. The good shepherd is looking for you. The good shepherd is inviting you. The good shepherd will guide you back to him. The good shepherd will provide what you need. The good shepherd will correct you when you need it. And the good shepherd will protect you because the good shepherd loves you so much that he would die for you. The good shepherd loves you so much that he did die for you. That's 
the God that we serve, the good shepherd who finds us where we are. So if that's you, if you're the one, come home. Come home. No matter who it is, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, all you have to do is come back to the good shepherd. He's looking for you. He's calling you by name. That's what the good shepherd does. Can we pray? Dear God, thank you for being the good shepherd. And even though we get lost pretty easily, even though we can't protect ourselves, even though we can't be clean in the sight of God, you come for us. You clean us. You guide us. You protect us. You gave your life for us. But some of us have been running. We've wandered off. We're that sheep. That one sheep that is gone. And you are calling us by name right now to come home. If you're here today and you would say, you know what? I've been running. I've wandered off. And I need to come back home to the God who loves me, to the God that is there for me, the God that protects me. All I want to ask today is that you would just slip up a hand and say, that's me. I need prayer today. That you would just slip up a hand. See that hand. See that hand. God, I pray for the people in this room. I feel like they've wandered off. God, I pray for people that want to come back home. Want to come back under the protection of the good shepherd. God, I just pray that you pour your love over them. You speak to them so clearly about their next steps. You guide them back. You give them the steps necessary. We know you're coming for us. We know you've reached out to us. We know you've died for us. I just pray for the people in this room that are coming back home. Thank you for dying on a cross for us, for giving us that hope. Thank you for being the good shepherd. We love you. We praise you. In your son's name, amen. Amen, guys. I want to close with uh, uh, just one, one last closing song, so if you guys would.